Epic Gumdrop, sweeter than no buzzer when removing the butterflies in your stomach. Hello, Jeff. Hey, James. Uh, today, we're looking at electric cardboard or electrified board games. So for the links we mentioned, the show notes, other podcasts, our Let's Play videos, all the good stuff, go over to BreakingDads.com. BreakingDads.com? BreakingDads.com. So, Jeff, when do you think the first electrified board game came out? Um, I feel like I'm not going to be right on this, but I'm going to guess because you've asked me to. Yeah. I'm stalling for time as I try to think okay. back. I know that there was a lot of weird sports video games, not video, board games that mm. used electric components in the 50s. Okay. But I'm going to go, it had to be before that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the 40s, 1940s. Not a bad guess. 1749. Yeah. Is that 1749? Yeah. So while a lot of people might think of Operation as the original electric board game, it is not. I think because for a lot of people, it's just so, such a big game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had originally intended to do a whole episode on Operation, but I think it just fits nicely in the bigger history of electric cardboard. So let's go back to, uh, looked at Board Game Geek and uh, what they list as their first game in the electric category. Okay. So we'll give you the real number. It's 1910. Wait, wait. It's not 1749? It's not 1749. Yeah. They were a little low on batteries. Yes. <laughs> Um, so 1910, that's, uh, that was still shocking to me. Yeah. That's a, that's much earlier than I would have thought. Like uh, people didn't have electricity in their houses. Well, it would be battery. So, yeah. but still I was, yeah, yeah. I did not think, huh. I thought probably the f- same thing, probably the forties or fifties. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot then, but yeah, at any rate, in 1910, we have Electra, which I think is a great title. Yep. Uh, from Sala games in Germany, uh, the board game geek description states, a very early battery-powered electric quiz game. Touch one contact to a question, and when you hold the other contact to the correct answer, a bulb lights up. Contains six printed Q&A sheets, inventors and discoverers, history, the Great War, general knowledge, ancient history, geography, and another handwritten countries and their products. Another, uh, yeah, something like that. Instructions <laughs> are printed inside the lid. Um, the game was also translated for an English-speaking audience, which I'm guessing they make some 1920 references. So, right. uh, like, they're they're thing of the great war was not included in the 1910 edition. I was thinking that I'm like, no, was that like that a must peacock been, thing? <laughs> that must have been tacked on for the 1920 edition. I'm it guessing. makes sense. Yeah. Um, Why didn't they call it world war one, James? Yes. <laughs> they just didn't see it coming. <laughs> Cause again, the precogs were not doing their job. Yeah. First off, the precogs will be really good at this. I think yeah. if well, you... It's on, you don't ever play trivia games. No, pre-cog. that's just a little advice from the Epic Gumdrop crew. <laughs> Poor planning. Yes. <laughs> and never do it for money. No. They'll just fleece you. Well, you know what, though? If you if you offer to play like a game of poker against a precog yeah. and they decline your offer, you know you would have won. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> So in, ni- in 1910 also brings us another game. Okay. Uh, this one, d- uh, l- you know, set itself apart. It wasn't Electra. It was Electro. So they just were a bit more on it. Um, was it, one, it was one Spanish and one uh, I, Latin. Is that? I have no idea. So what appears to be a later version, multi-electro, uh, is this is the description for okay. multi-electro. It's a game where players test their knowledge. Hmm. The game board consists of 48 points where two and two points are connected with electric leads under the game board. On the left half of the board, there are questions and on the right side, answers. The two plugs are connected to each other at, um, to each end of the battery. And when the plugs are placed into the two points that are connected, in other words, the correct answer, the lamp will shine to indicate this. Okay, so 
what I'm hearing is that electro, the difference between electro and electra is the last letter of the name. It's a vowel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and while we'll continue to see a whole pile of quiz style games in the decades that follow, mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the big genre types in the electric you know, cardboard. Uh, the next big innovation seems to happen for sports games. And this is where I think you were, yes. your brain was. Um, so one of the, uh, the folks over at um, the site Baseball Games, which we'll link to in the show notes, uh, they, they say that an application for U.S. patent was filed in December 1927 by James M. Prentice of Hollyoke, Massachusetts. Prentice was 17 years old. Electric baseball was battery powered and had electric lights for each of the bases. The patent for electric baseball was granted less than a year later, and Jim Prentice Electric Baseball, under a variety of titles and in a variety of forums, would go on to, to, to a production run of more than 30 years. So, you know, even if we think of the 30s and 40s, yeah. we're thinking of a very late incarnation of Jim Prentice's yeah. sports games. So this one was uh, based on just having lights light up yeah. when your runners are on certain bases. I'm not sure exactly how they, you know, the wiring would have mm -hmm. been on this, but it's, yeah, essentially making a contact sets off stuff. Um, and of course, that was a hit, yeah. uh, which led the electric game company to produce electric basketball, electric football, electric hockey, electric whiz raceway game. And uh, Bruce Whitehill over at the Big Game Hunter website notes that the electric game company in its heyday in the 1940s employed 150 people and earned about one and a half million each year. Ooh, one and a half million in 1940s dollars. And 150 people. Yeah. Like... I, and I imagine, I think I've read a reference somewhere that there was some, um, with these kinds of things, there was parts issues after the war, um, right. materials shortages and stuff, yeah, but I see that. still like that's, that's a lot of people and a lot uh -huh. of money. Uh -huh. So there was an appetite, um, which also explains why there's, there's, when you go and look online for images of these early games, there's just a bazillion versions of all of them mm -hmm. because they just pumped them out. I mean, there's with the cardboard with a little bit of wiring. <laughs> Yeah. It's, yeah. And uh, yet it was still novel. So they were easy to make. Yeah. Um, if you understood how to make and them. And he had a patent. But then the, they were still novel enough that the rest of the world was like, oh my goodness, I need this because it's not just a baseball game. Yeah. It's an electric baseball game. Well, and we'll get to it later, but I think even when we were kids, mm -hmm. uh, anything that had lights and buzzers yep. was cool. So I, I, can, I can't even imagine for kids in that era. Um. Now, so what were kids in that era playing other than electric baseball and football and what did you say? I don't think she said hockey. That would uh, have, Oh, there was the, electric the, hockey. Yeah. Holy cow. And the Wiz Raceway game. You can tell that language has changed <laughs> since the 40s. <laughs> yeah. I think if I said to my kids, here's the electric Wiz, they would be like, no, we're not touching that. No, it sounds like an electric fence and a dare yes. is what that sounds like. Um. No, he had a string of other ones through the 40s and 50s, and mm -hmm. uh, some of the titles include, you're going to love these, Electric Hot Potato, Hole in the Head. Wait, why isn't it Electric Hole in the Head? <laughs> that, I don't know. Maybe thought it was a bit too... Too on the nose? It made it sound like a... Um, I don't know when they introduced I bet, the electric I, chair as a death penalty. Yeah, I, I bet they method. did. They were going to call it Electric Hole in the Head, and somebody said, no, parents will be afraid... Oh, that this will cause the electricity to go because i'm sure there was some backlash of yeah. like no you can't touch this that this isn't electroconvulsive yeah. therapy let's tone it down We're okay not... what else we got electric put and take <laughs> again i don't even know electric farm roundup <laughs> saying what electric firefighters electric flash quiz coming around the mountain 
as well as the educational master electric build it set. Okay, I don't I need to find electric farm roundup now as a thing. Like I can't even conceive but I, I want it. You go just go to eBay and there it again. This, yeah. The information is kind of scattered all mm -hmm. over. But if you really want to see images for some of these ones, uh, check out eBay because there's all kinds of things yeah. that people are putting up. I was I couldn't. You just <laughs> search Jim Prentice and you will see many many cool things. That's a uh, that's a uh, wow. Yeah. No, so I mean, he, you know, a 17 year old kid yeah. coming up with something and he just cracked it. Like, well, it seems like if we can draw a parallel between. Uh, like the the um, computer in your pocket revolution of the mm -hmm. phones to nowadays to the electricity re revolution of back then. Yeah, because there are tons of apps out there and there are a lot of them made by 17 year old kids. It's, it's Yeah. Yeah. So it's that sort of similar. He like, saw a market opportunity mm -hmm. and understood the technology and went, yeah, let's do this. Yes. No, it's yeah, I it was blown away. And it, I he uh, I didn't write it down. He 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 died in like 2005 or something like that too wow. he, he lived a really uh quite a career mm -hmm. um and very well respected like he he did a lot for i guess the hobby through those decades that yeah. a lot of people don't really think back to but yeah interesting guy hmm. um but i mean he wasn't the only guy of course no as soon as you see this happening it's going to be everyone's going to be yeah. jumping and thinking i can i see money yeah if you create an industry that can earn 100 uh, 1.5 million in the 40s mm -hmm. uh yeah, you're going to uh, you're going to get some copycats. You're exactly. going to get some people jumping on the coattails. Uh, in 1948, you see uh, Norman Anders Sass. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, became the president of Tudor Metal Products Corporation, later renamed Tudor Games for good reason. Uh, in 1949, they would bring us Electric Football, and uh, in Norman S Anders Sass's uh, 2012 obituary, again very long lived guy, in the Washington Post had a great description of the game and its success. I'll just read a little bit of yeah. that. The electric motor caused up and down oscillations in the metal sheet, which was painted green with gridiron stripes to resemble a football field. The vibrations caused the plastic figures to bump and push one another in a miniature of evocation of gridiron play that combined an appetite for competition, a fascination with football, and an American inclination towards tinkering. The game was inspired in part by a horse racing game, also produced by Mr. Sass's family-owned company, that used a vibrating surface to make pieces move. The tabletop football game invented in 1948 became an even even more popular after it was licensed by the National Football League in 1967. For the first 10 years, we generated more money for NFL properties than anyone else, Mr. Sass once said. The game was also a major hit in the toy world at large. About 40 million were said to have been sold. People grew up with the game and printed on their psyches, said Jerry McGee, a member of the board of directors of the Miniature Football Coaches Association. So that... Uh, yeah, really interesting, uh, you know, just that vibrating field yeah. kind of brought something to life in an era, even when, you know, starting in the late 40s, a lot of, you know, people didn't have TVs. Mm -hmm. So you're really bringing a, a live experience into yeah. the home and kids can, you know, believe this thing that's going on. Like it made the game alive. And that's yeah. an interesting uh, idea. Yeah, it's hard for, uh, if you grew up in the modern times and you've seen many, many football video games and you can get uh, every game on your television on Sunday and now Thursday and Monday, of course, as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, then it's not that impressive. But back then, yeah, it would have been like, 
when children saw this under the tree, they would think, oh, my dream has come true. Yeah. I've got football in front of me whenever I want and exactly. I play it. I mean, you'll see, uh, you know, all the old jokes about electric football that you just got the guys just running around in a circle, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but what people have done with this game in modern times is yeah. incredible. That's why it's still like, there's still yeah. so much fanaticism amongst people who are into this. So. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a hobby game. Uh, I can attest to that as I have built my own Canadian football dimension field that's uh, sitting on my pool table at home. So just for listeners in the U.S., the Canadian field is about 14 times larger than the American one? <laughs> Not quite. It's a six end posts? It's 150 yards front to back instead of um, 120 yards, hmm. and it's 65 yards wide instead of 53 and a half or whatever the NFL field mm-hmm. is. Uh, yeah. But, but so, it's not the size. It's the quality of the play. Is that the, <laughs> the longstanding? And you get 12. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But anyway, I made my, I made my own board. Huh. Uh, because I needed a big one for Canadian football. Right. Uh, and yeah, and I have my custom painted figures on it. And, nice. Uh, it is, it is, it's a, it's a ton of fun. Huh? Yeah. It's a, it's a true simulation of football. You can play a, a real football game and about the time it takes for a real football game to, <laughs> to go. So, so what, did you rip apart, uh, an American style one? And re- no, no, I, no, I got, uh, I got, you yeah, know, went to, uh, well, we used to have Radio Shack. <laughs> Got a hobby motor there and hmm. hooked that up with a little offset weight so that it vibrates and and flattened a piece of sheet metal and built a frame for it. And yeah, it took wow. about it took about a month all told to, to get it all Holy together. Moly. Yeah, uh, but I'm very happy with it. It looks so, awesome. It works so, really well. So this was probably what in the 80s, 90s? No, I did this uh, two years ago. <laughs> Sorry, I I seriously was picturing young young Jeff. Nope, nope, it was old Jeff. <laughs> that, it's not funny because that's that's funny. It's just funny because yeah. I was picturing, I had this image of you as a child. And... No, I I didn't know these existed oh. in the eighties. That's the thing. If I had, I probably would have become obsessed yeah, with it then. Because I could I could see that. Yeah, I mean it's right up my alley for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but no, it's um it's it's no it's. I've, I, I've a member of the miniature football coaches association, which call it miniature football because Tudor games owns electric football uh, as a trademark. So if you're looking for it online, look for miniature football, huh. you'll find lots and lots of stuff. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, but Tudor games still around. They were sold again to new owners. Right. Uh, I think just last year even, um, but yeah, uh, they have a legitimate website. And if you, yeah. if you want, They've got many different football products available. I think they have the NFL license again, huh. which is a, a big deal. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, I, we touched on our other, uh, I don't even remember now if that's before or after this one. And yeah. one of our other podcasts at some point, again, we talked sports video games. Yeah. We talked yeah. sports video games and we it, about that idea of the NFL license being mm-hmm. a big deal and shifting around. And yeah, it was interesting to see that, you know, in 67, yeah. the NFL saw, Hey, we, we want our names on this. But it, yeah. For, for toys. And you can imagine, yeah. Because in 67, you know, the, you, you're maybe getting a game on TV. Yeah. Right? But, uh, yeah, to be able to have all of those those figures in front of you. That's the other thing. A game in TV, on TV in 67 would have been a really tiny black and white game yeah. on TV. So, you know, having this green field mm-hmm. and the little vibrating dudes walking around, you know, running around. That, yeah, what a great, yeah. uh, that must have been quite, I, I don't know. It, we Again, like you said, we forget, I think. We lack that perspective to think back to when things could be amazing in a much <laughs> simpler way. Although I think my kids would probably be pretty impressed by it, even just as a 
object. I haven't even shown you because uh, no, you're, I didn't, you're not I, you're not sports until guy. now. I I remember you vaguely mentioned this once, but I really did not uh, realize you'd put so much into this. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was a labor of love. I'm gonna have to go it's, check that yeah, out after you're this. Have to. It's pretty awesome, huh? So yeah, well yeah. You, there is a ton of other electrified games. Well, we I didn't really get into them just because they mostly seem to fall in the quiz or sports camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'll just jump ahead now a little bit to the big one, uh, which was Operation. I think uh, you know outside of those categories. Um, now the theme song from the commercial is in my head. Oh, water on the knee, Operation. I don't even remember that. You don't remember that? No. Oh, it was. Oh, it's, it's in my head. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> I think when a lot of non-board game geek type people think of electrified board games, uh, the buzzer and the lights of operation quickly come to mind. And the story, again, one of those ones I didn't really know and I thought super interesting because it's invented by a 20-year-old industrial design student, John Spinello, in 1964 and subsequently scooped up for a song by Milton Bradley for 500 bucks and the promise of a job offer. Sounds good. Uh, John says he needed the money for to, for tuition, and he thought, "Hey, I'll have a job at a major toy company." And he there's a good video of him online where he literally says that. So, yeah, he really was thinking this is going to be great, and then uh, the job didn't manifest, and uh, he had to call them up a few times to get the money. <laughs> so, the job that you know that all of that John estimates that Operation has a franchise value now of about forty million dollars. So, it might have sold. That's selling early. Yeah, but, so Milton Bradley, uh, good ROI on uh, that one, eh? So, you know, and it just gets better because the bitter irony is that uh, the reason this information is kind of all out there, in 2014, John needed uh, dental surgery and couldn't afford it. Um, game lovers and designers came together to try to crowdfund a surgery, and uh, they raised a lot of money. Uh, I think they raised, you know, it was 23000 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was going to auction off the original prototype of the game. But then, you know, Hasbro, I think, caught wind of this and said, you yeah, know, we'll step in there and for an undisclosed amount, uh, purchase the original operation prototype and uh, helped finally get him, you know, the medical treatment he needed. And uh, I bet he's still waiting to hear about that job, though. <laughs> like, I, That's I, pretty awesome. It's kind of. Yeah. I, you know, we're cynical enough that I found that really disheartening and disappointing. I was like, that's just come on. But it doesn't sound like um, that John himself is bitter. He, you know, he, there's a look in his eye. You can see it mm. was a, probably an annoyance for a lot of years. And I think when he, I can't imagine if you, he saw the immediate success of yeah. that game and the the longevity it's had. Yeah. I think he's enjoyed uh, seeing his baby go off mm-hmm. and become a worldwide thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, when he sees a commercial, it must, you know, like all of those things, it must be a little bit of pride because he, he knows. Right. But, at the but same also time, probably like when he watches that commercial from the nineties for operation with the kids playing operation, yeah. the idea that each of those child actors <laughs> playing the game was in the commercial more. was paid probably substantially more <laughs> than he was for the actual. Yeah, yeah. That might, that might hurt a little. You know, to be fair, he needed the money for school. So yep. I, I could see why he made that. And Hey, decision. we all do stupid things in our twenties. Right. Uh, well, he, I, I think he had a career. I mean, I yep. think he, he wasn't destitute or anything. I think mm-hmm. it was just, you know, well, and the other thing too, you never hear the story of the guy who said, no, Milton Bradley, you can't have my game for $500. That's true. And then he dies 50 years later with the prototype being the only one yeah. ever produced. It's yeah. really, good point. Um, so yeah, it's, Anyway, you should. I'll, we'll put a link to that. It's a it's interesting read. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa! I don't. I didn't remember hearing about this, and it was, yeah, yeah. Like always surprised. <laughs> um, 
and then I think, you know, really, again, we see more of the, the same kinds mm -hmm. of things. And then there's this huge shift that happens. Um, the big changer comes around 1974. And it's not just with the explosion of the pen and paper version of Dungeons and Dragons, but with cheap microcontrollers, which I think there's yeah. a kind of also an irony there. It's very funny. Uh, t the Texas Instruments TMS 1000 fit the bill. And uh, after this, you just see a pr proliferation of games using this as an electronic component to accent gameplay or provide the user interface. And again, it's just so weird. Some popular examples are Dungeons and Dragons computer labyrinth game. That was 1980. Mm -hmm. uh, Mattel's Dark Tower, 1981, or Milton Bradley. Uh, sorry, Dark Tower by yeah. Milton Bradley. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons was by Mattel. Uh, or even the Omega Virus put out in 92. So like, yeah. there's just so many. And yeah. There's a lot of uh, nostalgia, I think, about these ones. Mm -hmm. um, so when you go go look for these on the internet, but it's usually in nostalgia lists. Yeah, I know I, I definitely spent uh, my either my parents or my grandparents one year for Christmas. I got like a Tiger handheld football game hmm. where all you know, you had a football player that could be in one of three positions. Um, you move them left or right into the I three positions yeah. and like other f football players come down the screen and you have to avoid them as they come. Huh. Like so easy, yeah. so simple. <laughs> uh, hours, hours I would spend playing it. <laughs> Was right. it as high score? Satisfying as the aluminum? Uh, no. If, again, if I discovered the older electric football, I probably would have been much more happier playing with that. Yeah, that's funny, eh? Yeah, but uh, but it's still I managed to spend way too long, way too long. And it, it's amazing what a novelty I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the buzzers and lights and the whole it it just added you know voices, interactivity, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it added this element that that tickled our brains in a in a funny way. Um, and one of the big beneficiaries of this was sports games, yep. which, yeah, it seems to be the main success story in the whole electric cardboard narrative. Mm -hmm. um, sports are such an odd thing to emulate in board game form. And yeah. uh, I think it was that you needed the technological innovations to bridge that gap. Because mm -hmm. I think you just having a card based game or yeah, you could do it probably now, especially There's some the, that are getting there. more clever yeah. with mechanics yeah. in games. Back then, no. No. Um, but you know you wouldn't want to roll and <laughs> yeah roll and move sports game or something like so it's it definitely helped keep people engaged when they mm -hmm. couldn't actually go out to the field and watch the game um and of course there's still you know the whole idea has just now shifted a little bit with uh there's still games with electric electronic components i mean those are still out there they're still being made um but some of them, you know, some of them even just soundtracks uh, on your digital devices. And then some have just, of course, you know, they've outsourced the whole function or the uh, the user interface to app form like XCOM, the board, right. the board game, which I think a lot of people that would come to mind. Um, but I think we're really just on the cusp of this whole idea. I mean, there's something in the past year we've talked a lot about of like, how would we want to use an app mm -hmm. with a game? And yeah, so not playing a lot game of, as an app, no. but having the app enhance the cardboard exactly uh, version so or the physical version. Yeah, seems like kind of the next chapter in the history of mm -hmm. all of this. And um, but I think we'll we'll save that for that's a conversation for a whole other episode because yeah. I think it's it, there's a lot of uh, it's more speculation at this point yeah. than anything. Um, and yeah, there's so many games, of course, we didn't talk about. Uh, check out, there's a great list we'll link to. Patrick Stevens over Board Game Geek uh, made a list called Batteries Not Included, the definitive list of electrically powered games. And there's a lot of good stuff on there. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, as always, you know, all the links we talked about here, our show notes, um, links to the, our other podcast, our Let's Play videos uh, over at BreakingDads.com. And uh, yeah, I, it was nice looking back on all of this. I, I Again, I'm not a huge sports guy, but I was in, very intrigued by it all. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because uh, as soon as we started talking about this, I could hear the like beep, beep <laughs> of that football game in my head. <laughs> Uh, and I can't get it out now, so uh -oh. I don't know whether to thank you or to throttle you yeah, <laughs> at this it's, point. It's usually a little up. of both. Yeah. Well, I, to make up for it, we should go and check out your uh, your aluminum. Yeah. Canadian football. Yeah, you're you're gonna be uh, in awe or think, why? How am I talking to this man? Do I have this to wear obsessive compulsive? Do you have to wear earmuffs? No, it's not that bad. It's not okay. that bad. It does buzz though. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Let, let's go enjoy some buzzing. All right, let's go.